I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Tammy Bruce. I'm Steve Ducey, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Wednesday, February 21st, 2024. I'm Evan Brown. The U.N. tries demanding Israel stop fighting Hamas, but the U.S. puts a stop to their supposed diplomatic wrangling. It's truly Orwellian what is happening at the U.N. right now, that authoritarian regimes, um, autocratic regimes, theocratic regimes, non-democracies are really the majority right now, and they're drowning out the voices of reason. This is the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. The United States this week used its veto power at the United Nations Security Council to curb a resolution put forth mostly by Arab states to demand Israel cease fire against Hamas in Gaza. The United Kingdom abstained from voting. It's the third such resolution against Israel that had been pushed aside by the U.S. of the world body, but it's another illustration, critics say, of the U.N. using politics, diplomacy, money, and rhetoric against the Jewish state in a body designed to preserve peace, but now often managed and manipulated by rogue states. The resolution was actually put out there by Algeria. Dr. Jonathan Shanzer is a senior vice president for research at the Foundation for Defense of Democracies. Algeria, of course, is a country that is deeply hostile to Israel. It's uh, part and parcel of the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the Arab League. They've been an outlier, I would say, as far as American foreign policy is concerned. You know, it's rare that you see this, but it's actually an Arab state that seems to be almost more aligned with Iran than it is with some of the moderate states like Saudi Arabia or the UAE in the Middle East. But anyway, their, their, their call was for an immediate humanitarian, unconditional ceasefire, which means that basically the UN would call upon Israel to simply stop fighting, regardless of whether it got Hamas leaders, regardless of whether it got the hostages back, regardless of whether it had gone as far as it needed to in the Gaza Strip or in the town of Rafah, which is the last bastion of Hamas support. In other words, Algeria was just trying to crush Israel's military operations once and for all through diplomatic means. It's good that the United States rejected this. The U.S. is more interested in creating a deal that would potentially return the hostages to Israel, however many are still alive, and also potentially negotiate the surrender or defeat of Hamas in the process. What I think is interesting here to note is that the U.S. and Israel, despite all of the talk out there, are still largely aligned as it relates to the broader aims of the war. They have some concerns, which I can get into, about humanitarian issues and Ramadan and things that are coming up quickly and that will need to be addressed. But big picture, I think it's safe to say the U.S. and Israel are still aligned strategically, and that is heartening to see. 
I, I think so too. You know, the uh, the main purpose of this war, I think it can be discerned at least from the uh, standing from uh, Iran and uh, its proxies like Hamas and Hezbollah, is to isolate and weaken Israel's place in the world and to really test some of its newfound friendships. Uh, you know, it may be continuing on behind the scenes, but it does feel that the Abraham Accords have come to a halt. There has uh, not been any outwardly I want to say support for Israel from the Arab uh, nations that signed those accords to continue the war, at least to, or to cheer on Israel in some kind of way. There, there's been a lot of milquetoast language about, you know, needing uh, humanitarian aid and whatnot, but uh, certainly not uh, the overt uh, criticism that they might have gotten just some years ago. But still, we see other nations that have peace agreements with Israel, like, for instance, Jordan, pushing for this ceasefire and calling for the resumption of funding to agencies like UNRWA, which is a whole other you know, problem. But Israel is still kind of it is kind of isolated. It's not where it wants to be right now. And, and that that may be a win for the people who have perpetrated this. Well, I, I think we need to unpack a little bit of this. Yeah. I mean, what's interesting to me about the Abraham Accords is, number one, they've held, which, you know, one could argue that after four months plus of war that maybe, you know, things would be starting to fray. We actually haven't seen that. And if anything, what we've seen is Bahrain and the UAE in particular, they're actually helping the Israelis right now by shipping goods that would have normally transited the Red Sea, which is, of course, under attack by the Houthis right now in Yemen. They have provided trucking routes where goods are coming in from the Middle East yeah, admittedly, a couple days late, but these are partners right now for Israel economically and diplomatically, and I think that's important. The other thing is that the progress that has been reported between Israel and Saudi Arabia continues to be reported, and that is really interesting to watch. As I always say, normalization is a process, not an event, and the process is still happening. Yeah, it's maybe a little bit more shrouded and the Israelis can't thump their chests maybe the way they used to about, you know, how well things are going. I think the Saudis and perhaps even some of the more established normalization partners would prefer that it not be screamed from the rooftops right now while this war is ongoing. But I do get a sense that Israel's place in the world has not changed drastically. What does feel drastic, though, and you've, I think, rightly indicated here is that, you know, the Iranians, I guess probably the Qataris, the Turks and a number of others would love nothing more than to really put Israel in a box and, and, and put it in a corner and have it, you know, lose money, lose standing in the world, lose face. But, you know, war is a test of will. That is the easiest way to describe what is going on here right now. There are those that would like to completely delegitimize and ostracize Israel. And then there's what Israel's doing, which is fighting regardless, winning actually against all odds. I've got to say, a lot of people really wrote off the Israelis as you know, destined to lose this war before it even started. And what we're seeing is that they're actually performing in some ways better than the U.S. ever did in, you know, urban warfare environments like in Iraq and Afghanistan. So things are going well, and the Israelis have, I think, not wavered, and I think that's important, but there could still be months left of this war, and so there is that test of will. I think it's very likely to limp on well into the spring, and so there's a lot of twists and turns yet to be seen in this battle. 
We are speaking with Dr. Jonathan Shanzer, Vice President of the Foundation for Defense of Democracies, on the UN trying once again to stop Israel from conducting its war against Hamas and the response to that from the United States. On the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition, we'll have more straight ahead. It does bear some mentioning here that the Israeli urban warfare has been exemplary. Uh, And as you've noted, people did not expect it to go as well. I think a lot of people wished it would have gone quicker. But Israel, I believe, continues to do this very surgically. And despite claims from Gaza's health ministry, which is another Hamas-operated entity, the casualties among civilians have been quite light. And I I think you might be in a better position to talk about this than I would. But we should, I think, mention how strategic and how methodical this has been. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a guy there's a researcher named uh, John Spencer. He's former army works for something called the Urban Warfare Institute. And he's done a lot of work on this. And and he's what what he what he's done is he's noted that a looking at the casualty counts among civilians is maybe not the best metric for determining whether a country is winning a war. But if you want to look at those things, then you have to start drawing comparisons between what the Israelis have done over the last four months and what our military did in Iraq and Syria, battle against ISIS, battle against the Taliban, insurgencies and the like. And what we see is that there is something like an average of nine civilians to one in our old battles in the Middle East. And that's obviously quite high. The Israelis are under two to one. And of course, you know, you've got to lament every civilian casualty incurred and and obviously you do everything that you can to avoid those casualties. But the Israelis have been doing this under really immense international pressure that we've already talked about. I mean, yeah. they, the heat has just been piled on from Islamists in Europe to Arab states, to the Iranians, to, you know, even, you know, let's just say our progressives here in the United States. This has not been easy from the perspective of the, you know, narrative battle. And then on top of that, it's unprecedented what the Israelis are doing on the ground tactically. They're fighting a war above ground and below ground, right? There's 500 miles of tunnels that Hamas has built, and they have to get in there with engineers, destroy some, actually fight in others, Truly remarkable stuff here while keeping the casualty count low. So, you know, I got to say, I was among those who believed that there were going to be thousands of Israeli casualties, you know, uh, KIAs in Gaza as a result of this war. It has been, I think, under 250 right now for the Israelis, while they have killed somewhere in the order of 12,000 Hamas fighters. That is astounding metrics right there. And I'm not sure the Israelis are being given the credit that they deserve for the kind of battle they've waged against all of the forces that we've just mentioned. And I think to to get back to the beginning of our conversation, this condemnation that comes from so many power structures in the U.N., those statistics do not get talked about. And sometimes it feels they're even hushed up in, in U.N. circles. Oh, they are. But you have to understand something that the U.N. is... First of all, it's, you know, it's the tyranny of the majority at the UN. You know, there, there is a, an automatic majority built in between the Organization for Islamic Cooperation, the Arab League, the non-aligned movement, and broadly speaking, maybe we could just call it the Global South. They are stacked up against Israel. And so there will be no vote at the General Assembly that Israel will walk away with a win. There was zero 
quarter given to the Israelis after 10-7, you saw virtually no lamenting of the slaughter that took place on 10-7, those 1,200 Israelis that were, you know, cut down in cold blood. You saw no um, sympathy for the 240-plus hostages that were being held by Hamas against their will. This is just part and parcel of the UN. And of course, now we see that the UN is also complicit in some ways with what has happened in Gaza. The UN Relief and Works Agency, this purported refugee agency working on behalf of Palestinians, which, by the way, has been perpetuating a false uh, refugee narrative for years. But it turns out that they actually have had fighters that have you know, brandished weapons alongside yeah. Hamas itself. And um, it's revealed the depth of the depravity of that organization, as well as a lot of the other groups that, you know, like the World Health Organization, which took a lot of heat during the COVID crisis for parroting pro-Beijing talking points. You know, the World Health Organization has just yawned while we've seen the use of five or six or seven different hospitals as operational command centers for the Hamas military. The World Health Organization has actually hammered Israel for actually entering those hospitals to try to neutralize the terrorist threat. It's truly Orwellian what is happening at the UN right now. And it's a sad statement, true, of course, because the UN was created after World War II to try to help preserve the ethics and morals and worldview of the United States and the West after having fought a brutal battle against the Nazis and the Japanese. What we're watching right now is that authoritarian regimes, autocratic regimes, theocratic regimes, non-democracies are really the majority right now, and they're drowning out the voices of reason. Jonathan Shanzer of Foundations for Defense for Democracy, thank you so much for being with us once again on the Fox News Rundown Evening Edition. My pleasure. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com.